85 to work tomorrow. What's up, Panther Nation? Welcome to the Four Man Rush uh, post game show. Talk about the Panthers' 19-13 win over the Atlanta Falcons. Good to get back in the win column. Stay avoid the bottom of the NFC South. Stay in playoff contention. You know, as we try to compete for this uh, wild card hit. So I mean, you know, there's really not much to say about this game other than I thought we really dominated up front. So I figured I'm gonna let Smooth and Kev do most of the talking tonight because they don't really get this opportunity very often to talk about a good performance from our Panthers offensive line. As you see, 47 carries, 103 yards. You know, Amir Abdullah came in, provided a spark at the running back position. We saw a big thing from Chuba Hubbard as well. So uh, I'll start with you, Smooth. What did you see from the offensive line today on this, uh, probably their better performances of the year? Well, man, you know I live for this shit. To be honest, I didn't think I would see something like this until maybe next draft, draft after. I had no hope. But uh, I'll tell you one thing. About two weeks ago, we inserted Michael Jordan, and the way he was playing, I was just hoping that, you know, they would feed off on his teammates. And today that was just a great example. You know, somebody on Twitter, they said that the interior offensive line was underperforming, and I just got the opposite, the opposite view of that today. I seen nothing but pure domination from Rip. Outside of the first play, you know, where we're moting, moting didn't pick up a guy, we fumbled, that next drive coming out, immediately the three guys in the interior set the tone and i haven't seen us dominate for four quarters like that yet this season and the start of the 2020 season so i'm just delighted with joy like I, I just i got a lot of confidence as a fan to know that we actually have that that attitude somewhere on this roster and it just started up front with the with the two newest faces that you see and michael jordan and trent and uh trent scott they just dominated up front. They were getting to the second level. You know, you got a, a weaker a weaker teammate like Cam Irvin who struggled pretty much all season long. You can see Michael Jordan's play help elevate his play, especially when it came down to combo blocking. Like, he was able to secure an all-pro three-tech and one-tech in Grady Jarrett enough so Irvin can slide over and get to the block and still make it to the second level and put a block on one of the more elusive linebackers, Deion Jones. So just all, all over from, from, from 73 to 61 to 78, they dominated all four quarters. I've never seen that before. And you could just tell that Moten and Irvin were able to feed off of that energy. You were there live at the game, Kev. I know you were able to get a good view of the offensive line pushing guys around. What were your observations from in the stadium? Yeah, well, my observations was that was a great way to bounce back after that initial uh, fumble on the first play. I, 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 I'll be honest, I sat back in my seat and like, man, here we fucking go again. But I like how the very next play after that, when they got the ball back, they ran the ball. So that let, that let me know that uh, the intent was real to establish what Matt Rule had said uh, in the previous week about wanting to run, run run the ball more than 30 times a game. Excuse me. So, I mean, when you look at today, as you mentioned beforehand, Will, 47 rush attempts for 203 yards, uh, 4.3 yards per carry. You know, that's – shoot, we, we ain't seen that since the days of double trouble. <laughs> you know, the old days of D'Angelo Williams and uh, Jonathan Stewart, you know, combining to put up – that many numbers, but you 
as as a trench guy and as someone that loves the trenches, you, you like seeing getting over 40 runs a game. That means that you're taking care of the ball. You're doing time of possession, which we dominated today. Um, 36 minutes to their 24 – well, 35 to 25. Um, you know, it just allowed us to really put us in good position on third down. Uh, we converted 10 out of 17 on third down today. So when you're able to run the ball effectively and run it with attitude, because when you run it with attitude, again, that's that's setting the tone. And, you know, Big Smooth has dropped several uh, video clips. And make sure y'all check them out on, on his Twitter page, um, 4MR underscore smooth, where he showed literally our guys being bullies on the trenches. When the last time you can say the Panthers offensive line bullied somebody? You could say they blocked, but when the last time you said bully, bully means attitude for me. That means I'm going to kick your ass and ain't a damn thing you're going to do about it. And when you get back up, I'm going to kick your ass some more. And let's let's call it as as it is. One of the, the Falcons' best defensive linemen, Grady Jarrett, he was getting his ass kicked today repeatedly. Now, yeah, he did make a couple of plays, but, you know, when you line up, when you line it up and just look at the whole um, – observation of it you know he got you know he got handled today by you know an offensive line that just pretty much made up their mind that you know we're sick and tired of hearing um all the criticism all the bullshit you know we 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 know that we are better than what we showed and you know it's good to see them put it all together today um shout out to all the panther fans who listening that showed up uh, i know i don't know how it looked to y'all on tv in the stands but uh, it really wasn't uh, – it was really thinned out on all the layers. I mean, obviously being in Atlanta with tonight being the um, game five of potential World Series clinching victory, uh, I don't know if uh, normal Falcon fans decided to choose between um, seeing the Braves win a championship or watch the Panthers and uh, the Falcons battle for, you know, the bottom of the basement. But overall, though, uh, just being there, um, it was good because – you know, them birds were chirping in the first quarter when it was up 10 to 3. But after that, it was uh, it was nice to get that silence. Hey, can I – hey, Will, can I talk about something Kevin brought up as far as those third down conversions? 10 for 17 is the, the, the stat that we're looking at. I just want to show the Panther Nation that we accomplished something today that we haven't seen in the, in the Matt Rule era. You know, typically when it's third and two, third and three, and third and one, we have to use gimmick plays to try to convert a first down because we've shown in the past, dating all the way back to the beginning of the 2020 season, that we can't get a yard or an inch when it's needed. So I just want to point out that Sam Darnold converted three quarterback sneaks. He wasn't getting inches. He was actually getting one or two yards. And then there were several other plays, third and one, third and two, third and three, where we just manned up and bullied the people in front of us. A lot of these runs today, our backs weren't getting touched, and they were three, four yards up the field. I haven't seen that in a long time. In my head, I'm just thinking, like, damn, what if Christian McCaffrey had this? So it's yeah, just a third down. That's what I wanted to show. An example of that right here. It's on Smooth's Twitter. If you're not following him, make sure y'all do. He posted some of the best online content you'll get on Twitter. I want you to watch three players here. You got left guard, Michael Jordan, number 73, right guard, number 78, Trent Scott, and then we'll get to Ian Thomas. But let's start with 
Michael Jordan here. I mean, what you see here, Smooth, you see him make that first step, seal the guy off, put a guy on the ground right there. I mean, it's just the type of attitude he brings to that offensive line. Yeah, and if you look at his, you look at his his brother two spots over. I believe Trent Scott put somebody on the ground too, and kept him on the ground. So it's just like I call that body. Let the bodies hit the floor. You remember that song? That's what they showed on this play. And then you see the big guys pulling and leading out in space. <laughs> How often do you see this? That was completely dominant from pretty much all five positions on the offensive line. And that's how you make conversions like that. But you know what? You one thing you said as well is how um, Michael Jordan he kind of sets the tone for the rest of the O line. You see a rubbing off on other guys. I want you to watch Ian Thomas here as well. Get your body. Then watch him drive this man through to the look at this through the sideline. Play to the whistle. You just gotta love what you're seeing overall from just not only the offensive line but the tight ends and just how putting Scott and Jordan on the interior line was just kind of contagious across the board. There were a couple plays where Ian Thomas had to have a kickout block, and for him to do that, you got to have a, a great push from your from your guard. I watched Michael Irvin drive his man down two gaps to where it gave Ian Thomas enough space to create a gaping hole for Chuba Hubbard to run through. I mean, it was just all day. I can't find too many negative plays in a run game. When we, we had negative plays, it was just because somebody was shooting the gap, chasing the play from behind. When you look at the point of the point of attack. Domination, four quarters straight, man. Kev, um, live in the game, you know, what was different about the run game? Was it something Joe Brady was doing? Were we running more duo, you know, combo blocks up front? Were we running more zone? We well, for me, what I, what, I, what I was observing is uh, we ran a lot of more uh, run filling personnel. Saw a lot of 21 personnel today. Um, saw some 12. Saw some 22, you know, definitely use of tight ends and fullbacks was, excuse me, was was definitely seen to be the flavor of the day for the um, for the Panthers run game, which, you know, me personally, I love as someone that's, you know, an old school head, you know, line up, punch him in the mouth type. You know, that was my observation was just the type of, you know, run personnel. You know, we, you know, yeah, we did spread it out some and, and have some success running, but literally uh, the fact that we just pretty much had a mind frame, we're just going to line up and we're just going to beat your ass today. That just seemed to come down from, you know, like, like I said, we're going to give them hell when they mess up. We got to give them props. You know, I, I think that if this was the plan for Joe Brady uh, this week was to um, line up and punch these guys in the mouth because the way that he was calling plays and the person that kept trotting out on the field, I like seeing that. And you can look at it and say, oh, what the Falcons were not a good defensive team. That may be true, but at the same time, a performance like this breeds confidence. You know, when you see yourself on film continuously, that 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 does something to you as 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 a lineman. You know, I, many times I used to love watching, you know, our film sessions, you know, after a game. So I just think that um, that was the main thing that I noticed from Joe Brady was the personnel uh, packages we were using when we ran the ball and just how we we didn't stray from it. It seemed to, you know, go back to it continuously over and over. You know, sometimes coaches want to, you know, get off flashy and cute. But for the most part, uh, we pretty much stay consistent with 
you know, with a ground and pound mind frame and execution today. We're looking at another play smooth posted on his Twitter. Here you're going to get some duo action on the inside. You're going to have Paradis and Trent Scott double teaming Dick Grady Jarrett. You're going to have Cam Irvin and Michael Jordan double teaming the other defensive tackle. And I just want you to watch the movement these guys are able to get. Look, two bodies there, body there, got two bodies there. Watch the movement. They're just driving this guy off the ball, completely resetting the line of scrimmage. You watch Jordan peel off, get to that second level, Paradis peel off, get to that second level. The running back just doesn't get touched until he's three yards down the field. So, I mean, what do you think about these duo plays, Smooth? What, you know, is that just another thing we're seeing from Michael Jordan again, his ability to get to the second level and make those blocks on linebackers? Yeah, it's always been a part of the scheme. But for you to actually move, so when you, the way you taught is to move to the second level, you got to secure what's in front of you first. So I'll use an example of maybe John Miller or Pat Elflane out there. They're not able to secure that DT enough so their tackles can come and fill that block to move on to the second level in time. Michael Jordan is using so much power out of his stance. He's able to nudge the man in front of him so Irvin can come over and secure that block and use his momentum to move to the second level. He's just coming out of his stance with a lot more power. Same thing with Scott. They're way more aggressive than our original starters as far as the point of attack and getting to the second level. There's effort. To me, it's all it's all effort to me. You know, that's just pure effort. And this textbook, if you see, if you look at the if you look at the combo blocks, a lot of the time those guys are hip to hip. You need that. And I hate to say that one player that we got off that we had in our practice squad, got off the couch, whatever you want to call it has made all the difference. I'm not saying he's the best offensive lineman on the team. It's just the attitude that he brought. It got contagious. Other guys are playing with it right now. And you just got to hope that you can hold on to this and keep it going. But as far as your question, combo blocking to the second level, those wham blocks, we've been having that a part of our scheme. We just didn't have guys that can execute it. Let's get another third down play here you uh, posted. This time we're going to run to the right side. We're going to watch um, Trent Scott. Before we look at that, you tell them what you like about uh, Trent Scott and you see him as a fit, as a starting guard going forward? I think he's just a football player. If y'all remember, he played some left tackle for us as well. The thing is, he's just an aggressive player, a lot like Michael Jordan. But what you're going to see on this play right here is third and two. You got to have push up front with your interior guy. He pushed them down the line of scrimmage. Look at the down block. They sandwich everything in. Look at that hole that's pretty much wide open. That starts with the guard position with Trent Scott. Starts with him. He drives his. He drives that tech straight down the line of scrimmage. That allows Moten to follow up and push that sandwich that down more. So wide open hole. Easy, easy three yards before you even touch. It's textbook. Now, I know, Kev, you were a fan of Trent Scott at left tackle coming into the city. You think he might have found a home at guard for us? Man, hell yeah. Um, when he first started with us, I think he, when he's last year with us, he was at left guard. Then when, um, I think when Little went out, um, or he went to left tackle. And then, you know, this preseason, early we seen him at right tackle. Now he's at right guard. Uh, like like Big Smooth say, he's a football player. 
you know, you line him up, you give him his assignments, you let him practice, he's going to come out and perform. Uh, this this was the type of the effort you saw out of him today was what I was hoping to see for him, you know, out of him to actually earn a starting spot. Now, yeah, I did go ahead into the season wanting him to beat out Cam Irving at left tackle. But, you know, with um, current right guard John Miller on the um, IR and smooth, I think he on the short term IR, right? It's not the season ending one, is it? Yeah, two to four weeks he's supposed to be out. Two to four weeks? Okay, so if he's on short term, so that's at least three weeks, and then we got uh, 21 days to put him. Uh, me personally, i like to see um, Michael Jordan and Trent Scott have uh, Pat Elfline and John Miller sitting side-by-side side drinking water all game. I, <laughs> you know, I got no problems with saying that. Um, you know, like I said, not unless we go some unique heavy personnel package where we need an extra offensive lineman or two. But, uh, but particularly with Trent Scott, again, you're seeing a lot of his power. Um, definitely you see him, you know, getting a good good um, angle blocks um, on his defender. And like I said, I like his footwork because I, I really didn't see – well, I mean, from where I was seeing, obviously I couldn't zoom in, but just watching the clips from Smooth. And Big Smooth, you can confirm it. I didn't see a lot of wasted steps in these blocks either. You know, sometimes our linemen can have, you know, choppy feet where they're taking extra steps. But just from all the clips that you showed that I watched over multiple times before we came on, um, few, very few times did I see wasted steps uh, with was allowing us to get those angles and get those uh, blocks to the next level. I think before you talk about the next clip, well, you got to also – like, if I can speak about anything negative, we're going to have to look for consistency out of Scott. Because I think his performance today had a lot to do with him having a chip on his shoulder from his performance last week. He came in late in the game, and I graded him like a like a 47. He had a real poor game last week with limited reps. But a good thing about having those reps, you're able to go look at the film and see what you can improve on. So he was able to prepare, and he actually had something to really study and look at this week. I think that had a lot to do with why he had an improved performance as well. I want to bring up this clip. I think it's one of Michael Jordan's better reps as well. I mean, here you got you know, Grady Jarrett on the A-gap. Much of the watch what Michael Jordan's able to do to him on this play. Gets off the ball. Watch that. Bam. Buckles his knees, seals that gap. Look at the hole Amir Abdullah, which I'll talk to on later on, has to run through. He's got a Ian Thomas blocking here. He got Cam Irving making a good block as well. Abdullah gets able to get to the secondary easily. I think Ian Thomas might have got hold, caught for a hold on this play, which, you know, it happens. But, again, you just see Michael Jordan, you know, his nastiness, his aggressiveness. What do you think about that particular rep from Jordan Smooth? It's just what I've been preaching for the last three weeks. He's brought an element that we haven't seen. Man, I hate to be too gassed up, but if y'all want me to be brutally honest, we haven't seen this type of attitude since Trey Turner, Andrew Noel was here. Nobody's displayed it. We haven't had this type of nastiness and aggression on the offensive line in a good five years collectively. And he set the tone. Like, I, I can't – I'm preaching to the choir now. I'm just glad everybody got to see what I've been trying to show for, like, the last three weeks since he's been in the game. That down block alone set the whole tone for the play. It was the point of attack. Look how easy it is for Irvin to slide down and get to his man because he has space because of the space that Michael Jordan created. You want Ian Thomas to get a better block out of that, probably even get a, a bigger game, let alone a non-penalty. But, hey, 
It's all about the point of attack. That's where it started from. It started with Michael Jordan abusing his man in front of him. I told y'all last week, he's the only player, and this is this is before this game, but he was the only player playing like he absolutely hated the man in front of him. You got to have an attitude to be a successful offensive lineman. Unfortunately, we haven't had it. Paris doesn't show it, even though he's solid. Moten's the most solid, but like I've been telling y'all, he's a very nice guy. He's not the leader of that offensive line room. So for this for this performance, man, I, I'm I'm just I'm enamored. I don't know what to say. Like I I haven't seen this in so long. It's like it's giving me Andrew Noel vibes. Looking at a guy that's not the most athletically gifted, not the most technical sound, but he brings an attitude to the game. We haven't had that in a long time. Right, and you see it consistently over and over. And I want you to watch again, left guard, 73, Michael Jordan again on this run play. And just watch how fast. He's got good, fast ball get off. Watch the movement he's able to get on his defensive tackle. Bam. Knocks him, knock Grady Jarrett off. Look where Grady Jarrett is. Moving him over an entire gap, opening that hole for the running back right there. So you just have that kind of attitude on the line. It's what we've been missing for a, a while now. I mean, Kev, what are your observations on what you've seen from Michael Jordan so far in these last few weeks? Yeah, well, for me, in the last few weeks with um, Michael Jordan, basically what I've been seeing is just a player that's hungry. You know, you're talking about a guy that uh, played pretty well in college at Ohio State. Um, I believe we're, we're his second team. I, I think he started off, I think he got drafted by the Bengals, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, you know, he was someone that I, you know, I had looked at as a, um, you know, someone for us as a day two, day three uh, pickup when he uh, came out a couple of years ago. Um, so when that chance to get him came up and we were able to take advantage of it, I, I was excited. I like what Matt Rule said. Hey, you know, we're going to, you know, give him time. He's, he's someone we're thinking about long term. You know, it may be a few weeks. It may be a couple of months. But when he's ready, he'll come out. I think injuries may have forced Rule to plan maybe a little bit earlier than what he intended, but my God, I mean, we're seeing exactly what it is that that really made him excel when he played in college at Ohio State and what's something that just, like I say, caught my eye that made me excited about him coming to us. Um, you know, we're just talking about, like I say, the particularly at guard, Guard, you have to really be extremely physical to play guard. Now, tackle, you could you got to be physical, but you got to be uh, more with technique and polish, you know, to deal with a different type of edge rushers that you that you have to encounter. But guard, that's all about physics, nuts, and sweat, you know, and just trying to demoralize the 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 uh, defender that's in front of you. And he's just a player that just exhibits that with consistency. Um, I, I would like for him to be able to continue to grow throughout this year. And I'm excited to see potentially long-term, like what he would be as far as, you know, when he got a full offseason with us to really learn the playbook, to, you know, go through everything. Because the the mistakes that, are make, that he's making, the few mistakes that he is making, um, you can tell it's just things that he's just not used to, like, you know, communication and, and things of that nature. But – I'll, I'll take the mistakes that he's given us for the production that he does on what he what he excels at any day. So, uh, hey, Michael Jordan, Carolina Panthers, it's a good combination for me moving forward. I, I definitely want to 
see him hold his position down uh, by doing that. I think that that would allow Pat Fline to sit on the bench, which is just fine with me. And um, yeah, we uh, we got to keep this keep this good thing going because he's definitely provided a a charge in this offensive line that me and Big Smooth have been hollering about for years that we we don't have too many nice guys, too many churchy churchy guys. You know, now we got somebody from the streets per se that's just got that. I don't give a fuck about who's in front of me. I'm a bust his ass, and that's how he plays, and I love it. One thing he does real well too is he gets off the ball so fast, and that allows him to get to the second level and make those blocks here. I want you to watch him. First, we're going to watch Michael Jordan, and then we're going to watch Trent Scott on this play. For, you know, off the ball, watch. Look how fast Jordan's off the ball. He's playing at a different speed than everybody else on the offensive line. And by doing that, watch. He's going to get that first initial block on Grady Jarrett. So that's going to help Cam Irving be able to be able to make that reach block on Jarrett here. And once he makes that um, initial contact with Jarrett, watch how quickly he's going to be able to get to that second level and get a body on the safety to seal him off and allow that running lane for Truba Hubbard. So when you look at that smooth, is he is he a more better athlete than we're giving him credit for to be able to get to the second level and make blocks like that? He is a better athlete than we give him credit for. I think where he struggles at is dealing with elusive type players. And that's usually that's mainly in pass sets. You'll see that I got a few clips of that where he's just pretty much using poor technique. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to write him off as a bad athlete at all. He's an exceptional exceptional athlete for his size. I just think we're able to fix up some of the technical things with him with his feet and his base. You might be looking at an outstanding football player. And I know you said you wanted to talk about Scott because Scott doing the same exact thing on the opposite side. It's just today was just amazing to see, man. Amazing to see. What you like about that play is your running backs not getting touched until he gets you know, two, three yards down the field. That's always a good thing. So now imagine healthy Christian McCaffrey coming back possibly next week against New England. You know, he's going to take these three, four, five-yard plays and turn them into house calls, 10, 15-yard games. So, I mean, I think when you talk about last week, one of the big topics was the offense finding an identity. You think we're better headed in that direction after seeing today's performance, Kev? Yeah, I definitely think so because I feel like – you know, the performance against the Giants last week, I think, was a wake-up call. Uh, as, a, as a football player and as a man, you look at yourself and you just you just see on film, like, wow, that's that's really me? Like, did, did, did we just really play that sorry? So, for me, this was an excellent bounce-back game for a psychological purpose just as much as a physical purpose in, in my perspective. Um you know, coming into um, next week, and, you know, we'll talk more about this on um, our podcast when we match up, but, you know, with the possibility of a McCaffrey coming back because his um, three-week stint will be up. Um, so definitely how that goes. But uh, moving forward, you know, you know, me and Big Smooth have always pointed out the um, how low the Panthers' run block win rate is. And I think prior to this game, I think we were like 27th. After this game, I like to see how far up we 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 go based on um, based on the performance from today because I definitely saw a lot of uh, wins on individual blocks that's been pointed out by Big Smooth in his clips here today. So 
Um, excited about today, but before we can really maintain that excitement, uh, I'd like to see this again against a tough, uh, rugged um, New England um, defensive front seven that's, that's coming to town next, uh, next Sunday. So we, we, we put a, a together a similar performance like this, then, yeah, I think we may be on to something. Now, I know throughout the year, people have been talking about how the interior offensive line has kind of been the weakness and, you know, the, we've had better tackle play than on the interior. But today it seemed like it's the total opposite. You know, early in the game, you know, we had a second and long. You have Taylor Moten and Trent Scott on his right side. And what you'll see here is Atlanta's going to try to run a little uh, stunt with uh, Grady Jarrett in this edge. And I want you to watch Taylor Moten here. He's going to get blown back off the ball, losing this, uh, losing ground there. And they're not, and that's not going to allow Trent Scott to be able to pick up the um, stunt because Moten's already pushed back in the backfield. Now watch what he's able to do to Moten, just driving right back in the Sam Darnold like that. So not only are they not able to pick the stunt, but Taylor Moten's getting shoved back into the quarterback. And, you know, you have a bad play right there. Uh, Smooth, what are you seeing from Taylor uh, Moten this game? You know, what, what's the deal with his struggles early on this year? Initially, guys are asking me. I know J.D. asked me. He's like, uh, what did Taylor Moten do wrong on this? I can go into that in a second. But I want the fans to understand that this play is by design. The edge is designed to drive Moten like that, to give Grady Jarrett a lane to wrap around and get to the quarterback. So you want to say, oh, they got to switch on that or – they gotta, they gotta, they gotta find a way to to communicate better to, to to block both of those guys, for that to work, for them to even try to attempt to switch up or try to attempt to form some type of scheme to get this block. Moten can't get dominated like that. So off the snap, he's dominated because he has a bad base. That's for one. You see, he has a bad base, and then he resets his hips too late. When you get blown up like that, it's, it's already too late. And that's just because he took a bad angle of attack. And he had a bad base right out of his stance, and the the, the edge took advantage because the edge is not the edge is not gunning to sack the quarterback. That's not his. That's not what he has to execute on that play. His ex his 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 objective on that play is to drive his helmet and his pads right through Moten, and he succeeded, and opened up a clean lane. And it just so happened that by following through, you get a close lane to the quarterback. That's all when you're your eighteen million dollar a year right tackle. You just gotta be you gotta be a man at that point. You gotta have some Michael Jordan in you. And Moten has never shown that. So there's been plenty of plays like that throughout the season where Moten is losing ground way too early. And it's so bad to the point where we're blaming the interior for it, but it's really on him. And you see the same thing from Brady Christensen in some instances. And we've seen it routinely with, with Cam Irvin. But I just want people to know that it's it's everybody. Moten is susceptible, it's susceptible to that too. And that's what happened on that play. So to talk about what you can do to fix that, it starts with Moten just having some nuts. Excuse my French pause, no homo, but he got to have some nuts, bro. You, you got to be a grown man in a situation like that. And he didn't anchor. That's all it was. So speaking of offensive tackles, we also saw some struggles from Cam Irving as well. You know, I think this was like a miscommunication. I mean, what you're going to see here, Watch how all the offensive linemen are going to be sliding to the right. But Cam Irving slides to the left, and that just allows Grady Jarrett to come in unblocked. Let me see if I can slow it down a bit for you guys. So 
You see the Mike linebacker showing blitz right, right up the A gap, right? Right. And so they they game plan for this. They've been watching our film for weeks. They know that we struggle with A gap blitzes. So this is trained. Paradis sends the signal out. Look, we doing a slide right. That means Paradis is going to pick up that three tech. Uh, Scott is going to slide over to the edge, and 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 uh, Jordan is going to pick up that A gap blitz. That's why they all slid right like that. Look at Cam Irving. Look at everybody else's effort versus Cam Irving. This has been routine. This is why he grades lower than everybody else every single week. It's not because he doesn't have the ability. It's not because he's not a good player. It's just because of the effort. That's like a that's like a memory lapse. If you look at who's leading the team in, in penalties right now in the offensive line. When he plays, it's him. He gets a penalty every game, if y'all haven't noticed. He has mental lapses. Everybody slid right but you, bro. I got to hold you accountable for that. But if you go on Twitter, they blame the interior offensive line for that rep. I can't do that, man. I watched the film. I seen everybody else slide right and him not. And him not block anybody. Everybody else also put hands on somebody. He didn't put his hands on anybody. So I got to hold, hold Irvin accountable for that. That's been routine. That's what he's been consistent at. It's just making – Mental mistakes. Every single game, he makes at least one. You got a question here. I'm going to let you answer this one, Kev. It's from Jordan. Do y'all think that if we keep this line play up and it's the same energy, will we be better in situations in this offseason? I know it's a bit premature, but I wanted to get your thoughts. Think he's having a sound. Go ahead. You want to take that So, I think regardless, is there, is there is something of concern? It's, I don't think Cam Rivers is the. I don't think any of the backups are the future. I have to address the tackle position. But I still want to go. I still feel like the entire offline is, is, is a concern. Regardless of the position. But take the best, take the best player. But I, you just gotta hope. And to answer your court, your question, Jordan, you gotta hope that one of these guys, whether it's Trent Scott or Michael Jordan, that can answer the bell and become a long-term solution. To give you an example, you saw that back in 2014, had a guy named Andrew Norwell. We looked at him as an undrafted guy. We were looking at you know what going into the next offseason, we probably gotta get a guard. He stepped up and, and earned the position. So you're just hoping that you get that from Michael Jordan. I think he has the attitude to secure that spot for sure. It's just I don't know how – I don't know what his work ethic is in the offseason to address his technical concerns because he has some – I can show – I also posted some of some of his mental lapses. Like he has some concerns. He has some things that he definitely needs to address. But I well, that's not fixed. Available for trade, Andrew Norwell. I haven't heard that, but at this stage of the game, I think where his age is at and where his patience is, trying to get an acquisition. I would love to have Andrew Norwell back, but I just think right now it's not the best time. If we end up not developing Jordan properly or Deontay Brown properly, you want to get him in the offseason for cheap, definitely bring him home, but 
Right now, I wouldn't probably. I wouldn't trade for him. Said I love no, I definitely. No frustration. Well, y'all got a big win today, but hopefully you got to figure out what your quarterback situation is. <laughs> what you were going to say, Cal? Yeah, no, I was saying that uh, yeah, it froze up, so that's why I was I was waiting for you to unfreeze. That's why I didn't respond earlier. Uh, so yeah, I was listening, but uh, but yeah, smooth pretty much hit on all the uh, all the key points here. Um, you know, Andrew Nowell like wouldn't give up nothing for him. Um, again, if he's a free agent, if his contract, big money contract, is up, um, you know, honestly, I haven't been following, so I don't know what his level of play, you know, has been lately, but. Um, you know, hey, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely all uh, all for it though, because um, you know injuries happen. So let, definitely like to be in a position. And as far as this uh, <laughs> Saints fans, time has been depressing. Well, I mean, Panthers are undefeated in division, and we beat the Saints. So how depressing could it be for you to want to come on a Panther show bragging we already beat y'all? He <laughs> said we got the time Cam Newton and beat the Panthers. I hope y'all do. You know, you gotta be in the League somewhere. <laughs> so, man, we got to use some picks on the O-line. We have very few linemen that are above replacement level. Let's talk about that. Going in the next year, I mean, it's unrealistic to get, you know, I mean, the Chiefs tried to do it, but it's unrealistic to ask for four new starters, typically on a unit. Who do you see on our offensive line right now that could possibly you be comfortable with seeing them maybe start next year? If we continue to add talent around them, well, I want to start off by I'm not forgotten Chris Parsons. That's my man, diehard Panther fan. We've been getting at it for about over ten years, man. I, I appreciate you coming on and listening to us. But um, I was looking at the draft picks. Do we even have any day two picks? Will <laughs> we traded the second round pick for Sam Darnold? We traded the third round pick for C.J. Henderson. So we have no second or third round. Are we looking at the first round? So to answer the question, if anybody on our offensive line is above replacement level, I think we have a future in, obviously, Taylor Moten. You're hoping that Michael Jordan can continue this performance throughout the season? After that, ma'am, I guess you still want to see what Brady Christensen has to offer. But clearly, something happened where – and I, I disagree with this, too. I don't know why Cam Irving – well, I do understand why. Last week – Brady Christensen didn't do enough to give the coaching staff enough confidence to start him again. So if you pay attention, when Elf Lane got hurt, he couldn't get his spot back because guys just outperformed him. But Brady didn't do enough last week to where the coaching staff said he's a better alternative than Cam Irving. And the reason why is because he played a solid three quarters and then the wheels came off in the fourth. He played hardboard in the fourth quarter. So, I think that they have they see a future in him. So I look at him as I don't even know where you want to put him at. That's the way I look at the offensive line is completely different than how this coaching staff use it. Like I I feel like their philosophy is upside down. I feel like that room in general, as far as the coaching staff, is not secure. So it's hard for me to tell you who I think is above replaceable. Because if you're asking me, I'm gonna say let Paradis play out his contract. Hopefully in a draft you can draft you can draft a center that can compete with him in camp. Hopefully you can get yourself a right guard or a left guard and go from there. And hopefully you can secure a left tackle. But overall, it's just it's really hard to tell who's replaceable and who isn't because this coaching staff has done everything ass backwards to me. 
Okay. The next question is, how do y'all feel about Jermaine Carter? Um, I thought he's playing great this year. He got injured. Did he return after an injury today, Smooth? Do you recall? I seen him. Lulu was in there. I seen him out there making plays, but I tell you what. <laughs> yeah. You look at the end of this, bro. When we were talking about is, is Jack Tom justified? I don't know, bro. It seems like every time he plays, he makes impact plays. Not just interception, he makes impact plays. Well, we've been hoping him be back since 2018. We thought he was going to evolve by now. Maybe he was a late bloomer, but how do you really where if you if you come at the end of the season, do you justify holding on to that 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 contract he got? Yeah, really, I saw one play. I mean, he was in a mismatch situation with a Cordero Patterson and missed the tackle there on that first touchdown. But you know, why is he in that situation to begin with? But other than that, I think he's played well. Seems like those single digits just kind of re reignited Shaq Thompson and Jermaine Carter today. But how about Shaq, man? An interception today, you know, making tackles for loss. You know, he's really become that leader of the defense. I mean, is it something about that number seven that making them play that way? I don't know, man. This is the Shaq Thompson. You try to trade for Andre Dillon. You want to try to answer that one, Kev? Yeah, I mean, as a pass blocker, yeah, um, Andre Dillon at, at, um, at left tackle would definitely be a upgrade over both Cam Irvin and Brady Christensen easily. Um, there is some concerns in the run blocking aspect. Uh, Big Smooth been someone to point that out. But for what he brings in the pass blocking game, again, <laughs> if we trade for him, what are we going to, what we're going to try to do? Package together our day three picks. I know we're not going to talk about giving up our only first round pick for him. Um, go and give up a player. You're going to definitely give up a player. A lot of teams need defense right now, Kevin. They, you look at protect with the tech guys are trying to get our defense. So you going to have to give up a play for uh, Andre Dillard, but I think having a guy like Michael Jordan next to him that's going to break some of the, the, the run game deficiencies. You can just tell Michael Jordan made run blocks Mervin today. So, yeah, I, he's an upgrade. Okay, see so if we have any more uh, questions from anybody. Um, let's go back to the top here. We haven't touched on this. I hope Sam is going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, concussions are different for everyone. Um, so it's really, we have no idea, you know, what his status is going to be. Looking at the hit in slow motion, it looked bad. You know, you saw the initial contact, snapped his entire head back. And then on top of that, you saw as he came down, his head slammed on the turf. So, I mean, I think immediately after you saw that play, you knew he wasn't going to return this week. But now, you know, it's kind of just a matter of, you know, how the concussion protocol is going to have to go through weekly tests. Um, and we'll just have to see how it uh, plays out. I'd be shocked if he plays next week. But, I mean, we've seen guys recover from concussions differently. So, we'll just see. I think what we need to see now is what they do at quarterback. Do you ride with P.J. Walker or do you bring in a veteran competition? I know there's a lot of veterans out there that can probably beat them out right now. I mean, I know all Panthers fan base probably has – 
one guy in mind that they'd like to see <laughs> get a, get a reunited with us, but I don't see that happening. I mean, but do you go to a veteran? I mean, Josh McCown's always the guy people sign mid-late season when they need him. I mean, he'd be an upgrade over PJ probably even at age 42. So I mean, we'll just have to see, you know, um, you know what they do with that. And I think the first thing is we just got to know what his status is going to be um, on the next game. Yeah, we all we already know QB one's definitely somebody <laughs> most Panther fans would like to bring in. But I think you can definitely upgrade from PJ Walker. I just haven't been impressed. Honestly, we go back to the preseason. I thought Will Gray outperformed him. So another another niche on the coaching on the coaching staff. I think they made the wrong decision right there. But whatever, however you however you want to take it. Um, I do want to talk about the defense a little bit. We we forty minutes in, but well, we got to talk about this defense, man. Uh, Gilmore came in, kind of justified the reason for trading him. Got a got a big time pick to help us secure the game. I don't know if people paid attention to Dante Jackson today, but his his side of the field was pretty quiet. If you ask me, pretty quiet. He wasn't throwing to his side. Then you look at look at you know the way the linebackers played, and Derrick Brown had himself a game today, bro. He had himself a game. He got he got bullied last week. Today he had himself a game. I think we need to touch on the defense just a little bit because we back to you know our first three weeks performance. We held a team to to under twenty points, man. I, we got to take that any day of the week. Yeah, let's talk about the defense a bit. Uh, Kev, you was there uh, live. What do you think about the defensive line performance today? Getting pressure on Matt Ryan and containing that Falcons run game. Yeah, I was definitely very impressed um, with the performance of our out of our defensive front. You know, we, you know, me and Big Smooth would definitely say, called him out uh, for lack of consistent play last week at New York. Um, I, I like the fact that we had a solid performance that just spread it out all around. Uh, one of my plays that got me the most hype was the play of Utier Gross Matos. You know, I've been a big fan of his since we drafted him. Um, you know, he had a tackle for loss. He had a sack. Uh, he had a big stop, I believe, on third down as well. Um, you know, solid play out of him. Um, I'll let Smooth talk about D. Brown since he brought him up. Uh, but someone else that uh, Smooth, Dick Smooth was happy we brought in uh, Frankie Louvu. You know, even though he played linebacker, I saw him. I believe I saw him, and correct me if I'm wrong, against uh, Big Smooth, but I think he uh, had his hand in the dirt a few times and made some plays there as well. Um you know, he was just somebody that uh, really stuck out. Uh, Morgan Fox. I know his stat line may not show it, but Morgan Fox was creating lanes out there for others to make plays. Like, he really – he had one of those type of performance that the stats may not show it. But when you go back and watch the film, um, he was key and instrumental in a lot of ways. Now, one of the ways that, um, you know, we don't never laugh at anyone's injuries or anything like that, but uh, he was the one that stepped on uh, Matt Ryan's left hand that had it looking all – messy and bloody today um you know a lot of people floating that picture around but um so but um you know i even saw um you know Bravon roy you know get in there and win a few scuffles so um for me it was a nice collective group from our defensive line um in different phases both run blocking i mean not run blocking but um against the run and applying pressure um i was definitely impressed uh, i i like to see this and a little bit more moving uh moving forward 
We have a comment here. What do y'all think about Gilmore was a little handsy, but the INT was beautiful. So it's two questions. First, what do you think of Gilmore being handsy? But Kyle Pitts, I'd rather you be physical. You get a flag, you get a flag. He's a guy you just have to be physical with uh, when you're playing against him. If you get a penalty, so be it. Just eat it. Come back the next play and get a stop. And I think they did a good job of that. Um, I mean, Gilmore shadowed Pitts occasionally. It was his first game back, so it wasn't like he normally does. They did a lot of you know, bracket coverages on him. You saw one with A.J. Boye playing the underneath coverage with Dante Jackson over top. They were able to double him that way and really neutralize him throughout the game. I think Calvin Ridley uh, being out allowed them to um, to put more focus on Kyle Pitts being the number one receiver and put all the attention on him. And as far as, you know, the second part, is there room for Dante, J.C., C.J., Boye, and Gilmore? My answer to that would be no. I don't think it makes sense to keep all five of them, whether you can trade and add an offensive line piece, you know, make up some of those draft picks you lost in the second or third round. The way Keith Taylor's playing, I mean, I, I, again, we don't need those all five of those guys. I mean, just, I think one of them needs to be a trade asset. I mean, the deadline's November 2nd. I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody like possibly Boye try to get moved over the next couple of days. I know there was a rumor floating around that he was on the trading block. But, yeah, I think with Keith Taylor playing the way he is, J.C. and C.J. on rookie deals, Gilmore will be an interesting one because if he walks, he gets we get a comp pick. So you basically get recouped the draft pick. You trade it for him and get one round earlier. So was it, you know, would they have a long-term extension in mind or it was more of a comp pick move to bring uh, Gilmore in? So, uh, yeah, I don't think all five of – I don't see a scenario where all five of those guys plus Keith Taylor are on the roster next year. Hey, i like to keep four of them, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, at least, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, we just two crazy injuries away from being, you know, scraping the ball and barrel like we did when we trotted out Worley and Sanchez and all that. So, again, I, I like having quality depth. You know, even at cornerbacks, I know cornerbacks play a lot of the um, – get a lot of the snap counts, but, you know, um, it's a long season. It's a physical game. Um, you know, I was an advocate, um, but after seeing Gilmore today, uh, of um, I thought maybe possibly he could make that transition to safety with Chin. You know, it's now that he's 10 years in, but um, just seeing what he did uh, matched up against Pitts today, which I was definitely following um, – I don't think he had him every single play, but I think he had him lined up a majority of the plays um, from what I saw. And uh, Pitts was targeted six times. He only had two catches for 13 yards. You know, when you have someone that can take away a uh, number one option and limit it like that, you got to keep that. Um, you know, J.C. Horn and, you know, when he returns next year and C.J. Henderson, them guys that can mentor and, like you said, um, uh, you know, uh, Keith Taylor on up and coming. And, you know, we got the OG. Well, not the OG because, you know, got Gilmore. But, uh, you know, Dante Jackson, who I thought had a, a solid game today um, here as well. So, for me, I'm I'm all about keeping as much cornerback depth as we can because, you know, we've been dry and thirsty for so long and, you know, hoping that, you know, half-decent players can play above their level. Um, you know, there's definitely decisions going to have to be made. But, um you know, I like to keep as big smooth at least uh, four of these guys with um, with JC coming back. 
also want to point out another benefit of having a roster. I looked at a stat while I was watching the game, maybe three minutes, 22 seconds. Matt Ryan still had under 100 passes. When have we ever seen that Ryan? At one point, he had 91 yards late in the fourth quarter, three minutes to go. So having this type of cornerback depth and talent is is, is I'm a I'm a trench guy, a lot of trenches, but our 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 secondary's been outperforming, I would say, Brian Burns so far this year. So I will try to keep as many of these guys as you can. If you can if you can reach a like, reach a deal with Gilmore, then you can keep Dante. Trade maybe Bouye. Go with it, man. You try to keep as much. If you can keep as many of these guys, I think it's easier than what people give it credit for because because half of those names are on rookie deals, at least with JC and, and CJ. So you still on rookie deals with those guys. So like they're a given. So really, you're just talking about what Dante Bouye, uh, Gilmore, and oh, matter of fact, <laughs> uh, Keith Taylor's on a rookie deal. You got three solid corners on rookie deals. So you're really just talking about Dante, Gilmore, and um, who was the last guy? Booyah. Booyah. Yeah, so try to keep as many as you can, man. Like it, It's been a benefit for us. Yeah, and I think – What do you guys think oh. of uh, Moore and Robbie Anderson not getting their stats? Well, I mean, I think it's twofold. One – they got to do a better job of capitalizing on the opportunities they get. I thought uh, DJ, you know, that's a catch. You know, I'm a fan of DJ more, but that's a catch you just got to make in the end zone right there. You know, and I know, I mean, it's not a dip, it's not a hard catch, especially on that turf. You know, hitting the turf and trying to hold on to the ball like that. But we want to uh, put DJ more in that elite category with Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, and those guys. They, they'll make that catch. So I think. First thing is we need those guys to take advantage of the opportunities that come their way. I know Robbie took a big shot uh, in the game as well. You know, you know, I guess it's kind of when you're throwing the ball on that cross like that, safety's waiting for him. Maybe you put the ball behind him to kind of protect your receiver. You hear Tom Brady talk about that sometimes as well. But he's also had it. Other than that, he's had his drop issues as well. So I think first thing is they got to do a better job of taking advantage of the opportunities they do get. Secondly, I think if you look at the All-22 film, you're not going to see it watching the live broadcast. There were times Robbie Anderson's open downfield, but I think, you know, Sam Darnold coming off big turnover games, consecutive games with multiple, you know, interceptions. He was playing it safe today, really wanted to focus on ball security, taking care of the ball, as opposed to trying to make those big plays downfield. So when you have that more conservative style game plan, your receivers are going to suffer statistically. And then three, I just think the game plan today was to pound the rock. You saw a lot more 11 and 12 personnel, and they just wanted to set the tone and run the ball 35, 40 times. So what happens then? You're going to be running the ball through Chuba Hubbard, Amir Abdullah, and Royce Freeman, and DJ and Robbie. Their touches are going to suffer a bit. So I just think it was by design today. It It just wasn't their day to shine. Um, going forward, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if you want to be a power run team like we did today, you know, the receivers just aren't going to put up, you know, major numbers like that. You know, DJ may still get his. We saw Steve Smith do it with Jake DeLone uh, year after year. But I think, you know, with the way Darnold's been playing lately, I, 
I just expect them to try to protect them as much as they can by running the football. The pass game is going to be simple one read play actions where he doesn't have to think, you know, and it's just going to have to be a very safe, conservative game plan because we just don't have the quarterback to have that high powered offense. You guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. Um, when I watch these, when I watch this film, and you know, I, I, follow, I follow the trenches, but I still watch the whole game. So I'll give you my example. When I look at the trenches, I don't grade a player just off of how many pressures or hits or sacks he gave up. I look at every single rep. So you want to do the same thing with these skill positions. Today I saw DJ, supposedly the man in the receiver room, three consecutive plays, I would probably grade it a negative. The first play is he missed a clear block on a screen pass to Shaw Smith. That could have been a big game. You didn't secure that block. Second play, you missed another block. And in the third play, you dropped a touchdown pass. So it's like, bro, like you, you've been a momentum killer since you've been on this team. We love your upside. We love your explosive playmaking ability. When it comes to momentum, you've been on the bad side of that more than the good side. So when is that going to change? I had a lot of issues with DJ today. Got him on my fantasy team. He got me seven points, bro, and nine points in my PPR. It is what it is, but it's like you got to – it's not just about catching passes at this point. I'm looking at his entire performance. He's not blocking with the same attitude. He's not doing a lot of things. The play that got, the play that got Robbie killed, that safety don't make that play if DJ is a threat vertically. Am I right, Will? If he actually sells that route, if he's actually sprinting, that safety can't close on that route as fast on Robbie. So it was like he gave a, la a lazy effort on that. I have concerns with the locker room and coaching. It's like everybody's not coming out motivated. The offensive line came out because they've been getting their ass kicked all year, and our offense as a whole struggled last week. So they came out with a chip on their shoulders. But where's the chip on everybody else? And I'm holding DJ accountable for that. That's what I got to say about the receivers. Yeah, you look at the distribution today, and we only completed 13 passes. It just wasn't a pass-happy um, offensive day for us. But DJ Moore got four of those catches. And, I mean, Robbie Kirkwood and Shai Smith were the only other receivers that got targets. Shai Smith got one. Kirkwood got one. Robbie got one. Most of the passing done today was to the running backs and tight ends. I mean, I see Amir Abdullah. He had three catches, 35 yards. So you saw what happened to receiving running back does for our offense, you know, safe, easy throws. He ran that Texas route that we usually use Christian McCaffrey for. So that was able to um, help us as well. Tommy Trimble had three catches, 18 yards. He had a drop on the sideline that was off his uh, fingertips, though, that um, you like him to make. But, you know, overall, I just think that was the plan today. 12 personnel, pound the rock, take pressure, as much pressure off the quarterback as possible. And, uh, and that's why you're just going to see the receivers are just, aren't going to put up big numbers in that type of offense. Yeah, you definitely want, you know, to show that type of versatility that when, um, you know, when the passing game is not clicking that you can depend on your run game. And then, you know, you like it when it's vice versa. You know, it's been times where our receiving game has carried, you know, our lackluster uh, run attack. So it's good to see that, that, so far, we've showed that we can um, do both. Um, again, it's just all about being – same thing as, as always been about this franchise, mm -hmm. you know, consistency. You know, what, what kind of effort are we going to put forward 
moving on. Like, are we going to just be satisfied with uh, what we did today? I mean, I get it. It's a divisional rival. They hate you. You hate them. But I, I just uh, – uh, like like Big Smooth said, love what we see today, but uh, too scared to get attached to see this as – this is the new trend because until we see it consistently – three, four, and five games, especially with our schedule coming up. Now, everybody knows that we have a tougher schedule. Now, this type of offensive line play today with the rest of our schedule is going to give us a hell of a chance, you know, to be in each and every last one of those games. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, just have to, um, again, just hopefully that it starts to be something consistent that we can get attached to. Right, you know, you just gotta. Um, I mean, every week's gonna be different. You just gotta do roll with the game plan you feel is best for you. And I just thought today against Atlanta, you know, I mean, they're the, what thirtieth ranked defense. You would have liked to see us uh, put up 30, 35 points on them, but we're just not that kind of offense this year. I think it's gonna be more ground and pound, don't lose games, as opposed to trying to go out and win them. You know, let our defense. I mean, they've proven that they can stop their opponents, keep guys out of the end zone. They gave up thirteen points to an explosive Falcons team, so. You know, why take those chances? It's just run the ball, work the clock, and not lose games on offense and let our defense do what they do. I mean, at the end of the day, well, the way we got to look at it is, you know, you're facing a pretty bad defense, but you can't let the scoreboard dictate your performance. Um, where we've been weakest at as a, as a team has been in that offensive line room. So that comes to see them come out and dominate. That gives you that gives you the confidence. I didn't care about the scoreboard today. This is the most exciting win I've had. I'm more excited today, even though I still feel like this coaching staff ain't shit. I'm more confident today and excited today than I was in the three game win streak. Like just to see with my own eyes us dominate a football game. We dominated today. It started up front. We dominated today in the. the the scoreboard didn't show it, but we dominated that Falcon. We dominated my most hated rivalry. I hate the Falcons. I live in Atlanta. I could walk around for a week, two weeks, three weeks, talk shit to these motherfuckers because my offensive line beat them up before and after the whistle. I'm happy with that. So he says Abdullah might be RB2 now. Um, I wouldn't, I mean, Chuba Hubbard's been playing great for the last couple of weeks as well. I just think Abdullah, he has that Christian McCaffrey. Not, he's not Christian McCaffrey, but he's a better receiving back out of the backfield. And I think that versatility just allowed him to get on the field and get reps. I just kind of like the committee, running back by committee approach they had today. When we even saw Royce Freeman get in and have one of his more productive games with us, six carries, 25 yards. So when C-Mac, I think he's coming back next week against the Patriots, I, I hope to see these guys still be able to work their way into the offense. And I think Abdullah as well, I mean, he's our kick returner as well, so maybe he can contribute there as well. Hey, Will, we could talk about those hits from Jordan, but go to what the professional just said. Are we uh, keeping the defense? Oh, this one? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, you hit it on the head, bro. You hit it on the Yeah, I wanted to ask this one about the – how about the hits today? I like that game. You saw in the – what I liked is like early in the game, Mike Davis ran over Shaq Thompson, kind of set the tone there. 
after that, it just started tasting blood and was a completely different player the rest of the game. I mean, he got his hits on Mike Davis later in the game and he got the interception and bounced back. I even thought Mike Davis even had a nice, some nice physical runs as well. Um, the hit on Robbie, I mean, hey, Robbie's my guy, but that's a clean hit. I mean, I'm an old school guy. I watch football in the 90s, 2000s. I mean, that, any day of the week, that's a clean hit to me. Robbie's catching the ball, trying to turn up field. Safety's got to do his job to jar the ball loose. And Robbie's tough, got back up, got checked out, and he's right back in the game. He's built like that. So I like that kind of game. Nice physical game. You know, even though they're playing in the dome, you want to see a lot of points, high power. You know, we set the tone and made it the kind of game we wanted to today. But hey, you got a you got a top five, possibly number one defense if your offense can dominate the time of possession like that. Keep those guys fresh. That's why I wanted to talk about that comment because it, it is what it is. We dominated the game. The defense didn't have to do much. They're talented enough, but they can't really show what they're worth when they're on the field seventy percent of the game like they've been the past couple weeks. Says next comment. I like this group of five linemen. Everyone is big and physical. Let you answer that one, Kev. What do you think of this group of five? Do you think we should roll with this five the rest of the year or maybe go better with Christensen and left tackle again at some point? I'm at the point where if uh, if Michael Jordan can, if, if his uh, nastiness is spreading, I know Cam Irvin's been out the last couple games that Michael Jordan's really been playing. Um, if, if, if he can get some of that to rub off on Irvin, who, again, is a very athletic um, guy that can move, if we can get some nastiness with that athleticism, you know, we possibly could have something to work with. So uh, moving forward, yeah, I, I'm, I'm cool with Moten, um, right tackle, Scott, right guard, Paradis, center, uh, Jordan, left guard, and um, – Irvin at left tackle. Hey, Christensen just as athletic, bro. Get Cameron the fuck up out of here, bro. I'm, I'm done with him. I'm a Florida. Are you done State. with him? You done with him? I'm a Florida State fan too, cause I gotta, I gotta grade these guys. I just seen some plays today where I see four guys giving a certain level of effort and execution, and one guy not. He didn't do enough bad for me to complain today, but he still ain't it, bro. I rather, I rather see what I have with Christensen. It's smooth living in Atlanta, too. <laughs> I'm in Atlanta, too, bro. Yeah, they hate it here. <laughs> they hate losing us. See how much of the impact he's dropped. Answer your own question there, bro. I mean, of course, drop, don't, drop, don't have those drops. We definitely have more yards on offense. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely talking about the most. It's definitely talking about confidence. You know, one thing, I want to bring up one up one thing with that. As a quarterback, there's two things that usually happen to you that might affect your performance. One of them is either you're getting rattled because of the pressure that you're receiving. Two is your receivers are not catching the ball. I know Sam Darnold is not the answer for us. We all, we can all agree on that, but we're not doing him any favors either. When he got to come out, worry about getting hit, and his receivers not catching the ball. It's just the past few weeks, both things have been going against him at the same time, which I think is attributed to his performance. Today we were a little bit better catching the ball. I appreciate that. And we, we protect him a lot better. And he didn't play bad. So I think we, if we play like this with the offensive line, 
you can get this Sam Donald every week. That's true. I mean, they did everything they could to take their pressure off him today. When when he had to make throws, he made the throws when they asked him to. So I think we had what a drop. We had one on uh, DJ dropped that one in the end zone, hit the ground, and didn't maintain control through the catch. Tremble. I mean, they call that a drop. It was kind of a lot of fire on it. Went off his fingertips. When you expect your third round tight end to make that kind of catch though, and then Royce Freeman, I mean, he's just not a receiving back. I mean, I don't expect him to. Uh, be uh, a consistent receiver out of the backfield. Any word on how Darnold's doing? I don't expect to hear anything till next week. With concussions, it's a daily. He'll, he'll go through. He's in the protocol. He'll go through like daily evaluation, and we'll probably get updates daily on his status uh, going forward. So we'll just have to see how that goes. See what we got. Was that not spearing on Sam? No, when you commit to running, you know, you fair game. I mean, uh, when you run like that, quarterback wants to run like that, lower his shoulder and play like a running back. I mean, linebackers are going to lick their chops. And it's fair game. You can hit him like he is a running back. You know, I mean, I think he's, you know, feeling the momentum trying to make a play. So respect for that. But, you know, you like to see him, especially since it was first down. You know, you already went the previous play and got a – um Got a first down on the previous one. You like to see him slide there, protect himself, live another day. But he was just trying to make a play, man. You just can't knock guys for trying to go out there, put their body on the line and make a play. You know, it is what it is. It happens. It's football. Hopefully he's okay. And hopefully we get him back, if not next week, the week after. Hey, Will, I see one of these questions um, here. I, I think you should be the one to answer it. Um, this one right here. Um, how do you think they would divide the carries from Christian comeback? You know, I mean, we can give our opinions on that all we want, but we have a long two, three, four-year history that shows they don't split carries when Christian McCaffrey's in the game. Um, I think, uh, I mean, if I had to guess, what I, it's, it's, I was talking like this, it's what I want, what I want to see versus what I expect. What I expect, he's going to get 25 to 30 carries a game. Chuba Hubbard, Royce Freeman, those guys will take a back seat and we won't see much of them going forward. What I want to happen is see him play 65, 70% of the steps, maybe 20 carries, give Chuba three to five carries, you know, get Abdullah involved, maybe on third downs, let CMC play some receiver. But when we know, what are we talking about, man? We've been seeing, we've been asking for this for three years. We've had, what, two, three different offensive coordinators. We had um, Mike Shula in 2017. Masula actually didn't use CMC that much, but. We've had North Turner, we've had Scott Turner, we've had Joe Brady. Same thing in common. CMC's on the field 80, 90% of the time, getting 25, 30 touches. I don't see why that'll change. <laughs> and the next question, do you think? I don't believe so. I mean, there's no evidence of that in the past. I mean, think about last year. He comes back versus Kansas City, played the entire game and got hurt again. So, you know, it's about what we want versus what we expect. I expect to see him get his normal workload when we get the ball back. <laughs> and the thing about that, well, I think the difference the difference this year is that I don't mind CMC being on the field. He's a decoy, at least, right? He's a decoy. But the fact of the matter is this year, <laughs> on a short week, no, we were giving him the ball. He was getting the check downs. He was getting the carries. 
He was getting everything. He was block pass blocking. He was selling his body out. It's like you got to give him a chance to rest, and we don't do that at all. And you know what? I'll I, I, I play on the coach's side for about for a little bit. A lot of these sacks that we give up, we want to blame the offensive line for. But what I've noticed since CMC has been out, a lot of these sacks are just the fact that the RBs can't pick up blitz as well. They'll take a guy's legs out. We've seen this twice. Take his legs out. He gets up and still makes the sack. Well, you see him get, you see RB get blown back into the quarterback. The RBs we have on the roster right now aren't good at pass protection. That's something CMC is good at. So it's a lot of reasons why you want to have him on the field. And we haven't answered any type of suggestion to why you would take him off the field. Juba Hubbard, Freeman, uh, Amir Abdullah, none none of them have showed that they can block to the same capacity of CMC either. So it's hard to take him off the field, but you got to find a way. And Matt Rule basically said that in interviews when they asked him why Chuba Hubbard wasn't getting reps early in the season, it was because of pass protection. I mean, you watch CMC back there. I mean, if you watch the Jets game, that long touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson, CMC made the block to give the quarterback the extra few seconds to get that ball off. So I think that's probably another reason why we're not seeing a vertical pass game as well. Okay. All right, well, I mean, that's the final comment. Unless anybody else has any other questions, we're about an hour 15 into this. Uh, smooth, Kev, any final comments before we call it a night and get ready to talk about the Patriots tomorrow? Yeah, man, I just want to shout out the kicker too, bro. <laughs> we got our answer at kicker. He's been, he been doing his thing a little bit, man. So I just want to give him a quick shout out, Gonzalez. Don't even know his first name. It just seems like. Whenever we're trying to get a kicker since Sly's been going, we've been picking Poppy. So I guess he's the right Poppy, man. He got the right tequila in his system. He's been making field goals. So I just want to give the kicker a shout-out. Can we beat New England with the same game plan? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, yeah, I mean, I think that's the way you got to beat New England. You know, I think with Belichick, he's more of a pass defense guy. So he'll let you run. He'll, he'll force you to beat yourself. You know, he wants offensive coordinators to get greedy, get aggressive, and abandon the run. So if you stick to your game plan, I think we do have a shot. Also, point out room room for growth. Um, we got to improve as far as the communication on the offensive line. That's one. And I still want to see in-game coaching improve, you know, going into the half. We burned the time out when I felt like we still had maybe, what was it, 10 seconds on the clock. I think Sam could have probably spiked that ball. He might be able to get a couple extra yards and make that field goal a tad bit easier. But I'm just I'm nitpicking at this point. And with PJ at QA, man, we had, what, 20 to nothing last year with PJ at QB. So in one of them games, throw complete 45% of his passes, one touchdown. Three interceptions and hope the defense can <laughs> do what they do. You had something you want to say, uh, Kev? Yeah, I was just saying that, you know, there's time out with that game plan work against New England. Well, you got to think about the coach. What is something that everybody knows about Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick will take away the number one thing you like to do. So let's just say that this newfound run game that we discover. You know, looking at Sam Donald throwing and P.J. Walker throwing, how how worried are you from being beat 
with the arm. I mean, even with the talent we got at wide receivers. So I, I would expect to see stat boxes by New England to basically be like, we'll take our chances um, with you guys trying to beat us throwing the ball versus running it. Is PJ at QB a downgrade? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Come on now. Let's not do Sam like that, man. <laughs> I mean, there's levels to this quarterback thing. You got high-level starters, elite guys. You got average game manager types. You got the bottom tier. And you got guys who shouldn't, who wouldn't start on any other team in the league. I think Sam Darnold, the lower tier, lower level starter, PJ Walker. PJ Walker is an XFL guy. No, Darnold's good enough to be in the NFL. He's not an XFL quarterback. You know what PJ is? It's like when you're playing Madden, right? You pick a team that's stacked, but the quarterback is mid-grade, but you don't mind subbing him out for the fastest quarterback so you can have that mobility factor. That's all PJ is. He's nothing more than that. He's a guy that you put on the team that has a basic quarterback where you can put him in. There's no difference in throwing power. He's just a little bit more mobile. That's it. He's nothing more than that. He's not going to win those football games. I'm sorry. He's not doing it. Yeah, I mean, be careful what you wish for. I mean, I know Darnold's had his struggles this year, but he's better than PJ, at least. <laughs> the coaches see them every day. That should tell you that. I mean, if you, honestly, if you want to be – want me to be honest, I think the only reason PJ made the walker over Will Greer is because he went to Temple. <laughs> All right, well, that's our last uh, comment for the night. Um, I guess, uh, Kev, you got any final comments you want to say before we log off for the night? Keep pounding, baby. That's my last comment. Yeah, and for me, um, you know, being down here in Atlanta this weekend, you know, this is a big sports weekend. Uh, part one is done. The Panthers have one. So uh, now part two for me, you know, hoping these Atlanta Braves can close it out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, overall, I'm, I'm happy. I'm coming back with a dub, back back home to a dub one way or the other. If I can bring back two, great. But uh, big win by the Panthers today. Um, definitely got me smiling, feeling good. All right, well, there you have it. I'll answer this last question before we log off. Is there a slight chance Darnold plays depending on the – there's a chance. Every concussion is different, though. We're just going to have to wait and stay on top of those news updates next week to see how he progresses through the protocol. But again, everybody, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, be sure to check out our New England Patriots uh, preview tomorrow night. Uh, what time we go? Uh, 9 p.m. Uh, unfortunately, it won't be the revenge game that we were hoping for, but be the Stephon Gilmore revenge game instead this week so again everybody thank you for your support thanks for keep pounding uh enjoy this win most importantly and we'll see you tomorrow night make sure y'all tune in for this preview you know yo one one quick thing one quick thing one quick yeah. thing i, I want to make sure because i promise because they looked out for me today um let me give a big time shout out to um one of our four men followers marcus smith um him and some of the other um super fans they Caught me out to the state of my phone had died on me today and I had nowhere to call my Uber. So they uh, took me back to the room, allowed me to get uh, a charge on my phone enough to get me back home. So I told them I want to make sure that I showed them some love. So um, Marcus Smith, 
Um, Mad Catter, you know what I'm saying? Appreciate you, bro, looking out for me. Um, he was actually out there telling people about the four-man rush before I actually ran into it. So he was talking about, um, you know, some networks. So appreciate everybody that shows us love uh, on the four-man rush. Uh, uh, had some people out there, you know, hey, ain't you the four-man rush guy? You know, that's that's love feeling that all the way down here in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? So just want to make sure I shot them guys out for uh, looking out for them to make sure I was able to um, get back to my room here. So appreciate that. Marcus Smith and Mad, uh, Mad Catter. Thanks, guys. Four man rush fan. She has an Android. That's why his phone died so early. Keep <laughs> All right, we're in on that note. Everybody have a good night now. <laughs>